Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, today we're going to talk about a decade to remember, okay? A decade to remember. We'll be going to the book of Philippians, okay? This is uh, uh, God's book to the church in the Philippines, no, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Philippians. You know, I used to think that. I used to wonder, where are these places? Well, Philippi is in Macedonia, it was, which is now Greece. And so we'll get a little look at that a little bit later, the geography of it, just a little bit. And uh, if you will go ahead and get to the book of Philippians, I'll tell you a couple of things while you're turning, all right? And uh, first of all, let me read a prophecy out of Micah chapter 6. Micah was a prophet, and Micah was struggling. He was struggling to know how he could please God. What can I do? What do you want from me, God? How in the world could I pay you back for all you have done for me? How can I feel secure, Lord, that my sins are forgiven? And so Micah asked this question. He said, Lord, would you be pleased with 10,000 rams? Would you be pleased with rivers of oil? Could I give you rivers of oil? Lord, could I give you my firstborn? Would you take my firstborn for my transgression? Would you take the fruit of my body to forgive me of the sin of my soul? And the resounding word from heaven, of course, was no. No. No, you know, you cannot purchase what God gave you freely through Jesus Christ. And here God speaking through the prophet Micah in Micah 6 verse 8 he said he has shown you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God or with your God what does that mean that means that God requires some things that are very simple from his children Today, if you're a child of God, if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you have been born again today into the family of God, then it's a very simple life from here on. Just do what is right. Do justly. Do justly in the eyes of God and love mercy. Be like your heavenly father. Be very merciful. Be very forgiving. Be very kind to others. And then walk humbly before God. Because you know, all we are is dust. God created us from dust, and then he breathed his breath into our lives, and we became living souls. We are created by God, and we should be very thankful and very, uh, you know, have, uh, show humility because we are nothing without him. Only through him are we anything, and only through him do we have life. So do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Ten years ago, do you remember 2008? What were you doing in 2008? What, you know, how old were you in 2008? Where did you live? You know, where did you work? Who were your friends? What did your hair look like? Okay, 2008, do you remember it? That's the year we elected President Barack Obama as the first African-American president of the United States of America. Yeah. Some of you may remember that was the year that $750 billion was paid out in something, for something, bailouts, okay? <laughs> you know? That's the year OJ went to jail. What were you doing in 2008? You see, sometimes 10 years can seem like a long, long time ago, and sometimes 10 years can seem like only yesterday. 
If you already have grown children that are grown and out of your house, well, they may be grown and not out of your house, but if they are grown and, and uh, in or out of your house, either one, then you certainly know and understand that 10 years can go by so quickly. My goodness, it seems like it rushes by. One sobering thought to keep in mind is that the next 10 years will not be one second longer than the last 10 years. The next 10 years will go by just as quickly. It can go by almost without notice. Although God is working and God is always behind the scenes making the most of the time that we offer him. A lot can happen in a decade. Take, for example, the 10 years between A.D. 51 and A.D. 61. I know that was a long time ago. A.D. 51 and A.D. 61. That 10 years was a very important decade for the people who were living in it. In A.D. 51, the Apostle Paul came to Philippi for the very first time. The Apostle Paul had been wandering around what is now Turkey at that time. And in the Bible, it's called Asia Minor. Okay? But it's modern day Turkey. He had been walking around there because that was his home nation. He was from Tarsus, which was in Asia Minor. And he just, when he got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and, and got commissioned by the church in Antioch, he went back to his hometowns and then he went all over his home nation sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in places like Bithynia and Fergia and places like um, Laodicea and Colossae and all over in Ephesus and all those places in Turkey. Well, one day he found himself standing at Troas. Now, Troas is the Bible city. You may know the city sitting right beside Troas as the city of Troy. You remember Helen of Troy? Y'all remember the, the, uh, the, the, the big horse, or the big, you know, that everybody hid in, you know, the Trojan horse? It, hey, they have one there. Many of you have been with me. We've, we've, we've gone to Troy. We've gone to Troas. And, uh, you know, they, they have a replica. I don't know if it was true or not. I don't think it was. But then nonetheless, they have this huge wooden horse that you can get up in there. And so the Apostle Paul was standing there. And along with him was Silas. And then young Timothy. Young Timothy, it was his very first missions trip. They had just picked him up along the way. And the Apostle Paul was standing there looking out at the Aegean Sea. He was looking, let's see, that's, that's west. He was looking west at the Aegean Sea. He was looking over into what we now know as Europe, Greece. At that time, it was Macedonia. The Apostle Paul did not know what to do, which way to go. He wanted to share the gospel because that's what he was given to. Everywhere he went, he shared the gospel. Everywhere he went, he planted the seeds of the kingdom. Everywhere he went, also, he got in trouble. And many times he was beaten. And many times he was, you know, put in jail. And, you know, he had a lot of difficulty. But he was always sharing the gospel. So he's standing there saying, I, I know what we're going to do. We're going to go back toward Istanbul. And we'll go up in the northern part here of Asia Minor. And, and, and we'll go through Bithynia and share the gospel there. But the Holy Spirit said, nah. So not feeling the peace of God, he said, I know, I'll, I'll go a little farther south back behind me over here. And the Holy Spirit said, no, not there either. So the apostle Paul went to sleep that night and he had this vision in the night. 
And in this vision, he saw a man standing over in Europe, over in Macedonia, what is now Greece. He saw a man standing and the man said, come over to Macedonia and help us. Wow. The apostle Paul woke up. He woke up Silas. He woke up Timothy. And and the scripture tells us in Acts 16 that he decided that this was a call from God on his life. And so he said, come on, boys. They got in a ship and they sailed across just a little bit. Would you put the map up? Let 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 me show them where they sailed across. They sailed across... Uh, let's see, uh, we'll, uh, I'll point at this one. Do you see the body of land in white on the right? Okay, that's modern day Turkey. At that, at that time in Paul's time, it was Asia Minor. When you're reading in the Bible, it says Asia Minor, that's what they're talking about, okay? Bithynia and Galatia and, and Pointus and Cappadocia and Laconia and Pisidia and Phrygia and uh, 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 see Lydia. We'll talk about that in just a moment. That's Lydia. Okay, well, the apostle Paul was in Mysia. He was standing just about as far as you can get that way in in Mysia. Okay, Uh, before you get into the water, that's where Troas and Troy is. And when he got on the ship, they sailed just a little bit of an arc northward and over to where you see those three fingers kind of sticking out there. Okay. And that today is Greece, but at that point it was Macedonia, a part of the Roman Empire. And so when they got there, the Apostle Paul got off the ship with Silas and with Timothy, and they walked just a little ways, and they came into the town of Philippi. Okay? That's where Philippi is. Now, it's A.D. 51. The Apostle Paul is... 46 years old. He's he's been preaching and teaching for about 20 years. Now, immediately, Paul has this habit of going and finding Jewish people because he identifies with them. He's accepted by them. Uh, he's often lodged by them. And he also is, is, is going to witness to them because the gospel is first to the Jew and then also to the Gentile. Okay, so he's going to win. Well, he went into the city, but there was no synagogue in the city of Philippi. There were a lot of Jews, but no synagogue. Why? Well, in many places, they either didn't have the money or did not have the Roman permission to build a synagogue. And when they did not have a synagogue in a city, the custom of the Jews were to find a place that they would find a place outside the city. Normally by some water, fresh water, running water, because it gave them the opportunity to use the water in in purification ceremonies so that they could do their religious worship and prayer. And so the apostle Paul, finding no synagogue, on the Sabbath day, he went out of the city and he walked out by the river. And sure enough, he found the place of prayer where they would share the word and pray. But the Apostle Paul must have gotten there just a little bit early. Uh, Because when he got there, when he got to church early, there was nothing but women there. Hello? It's the same today. This has been going on forever. Okay. 
What were they waiting on? Well, they were waiting on 10 men because it takes 10 men in order to pray. It takes a minion so that you can pray, okay, in, 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 in the Jewish religion. And so they were waiting, I guess, on the men to gather. And if 10 men don't get there, then you can have some, you know, you can share some of the word, but you can't really offer the prayers that people like. So here, the apostle Paul, finding these ladies sitting there and waiting and, 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 and sitting there by the river, the apostle Paul begins to talk with them. He begins to tell them about Jesus. Now, some of these ladies, no doubt, were Jewish ladies, but some of these ladies evidently were converts to Judaism. One such lady, we know, that she was from Lydia. In fact, they call her Lydia. There's a city in Lydia Right where the Y is, right below that Y, just, just two millimeters below that Y, there's a city called Thyatira. You might know it. It's one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Okay? Thyatira was a very prosperous city. You know what it was known for? It was known for the purple dye that they made there. And they made this deep, purple dye that they would dye cloth with. And this particular royal, deep, beautiful purple was in demand all over the Roman Empire. Well, Thyatira was so good at this and, and everybody wanted this Thyatira cloth and everybody wanted this purple cloth. And so, you know, the business expanded and along with business expansion, evidently this lady had gone to take this purple cloth and she had gone from Thyatira in, Ly in, in Lydia and she had gone over and taken up residence and started a business in Philippi. Now, we're not sure what her name is because back then they called people like they do today, Tex, you know, Montana, you know, whatever. Okay, uh, people... Often in that day, especially foreigners, they would call them after the name of the place they were from to identify them. So the apostle Paul is talking to this woman. Evidently, she is converted from being a Gentile and she has gone over and living in this Jewish community. She evidently has seen what, what God does for his children. And so she was most likely a proselyte, a convert to Judaism. So she's sitting out there by the river on this Sabbath morning and uh, waiting. And here the apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy come up and they start talking to the ladies there about this Jesus of Nazareth who the Jews had been waiting for, who was the fulfillment of all that, that, that they had known. And Lydia, wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it? Lydia, the Bible says, got born again. She accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior, and she was so excited about it. And evidently, her business was doing well because she invited Paul and Silas and Timothy to come back with her to her house and stay in her house while they were in Philippi. And you know, it takes a lot to, to, to lodge and to feed and to, and, and, and to play host to, to three extra people, maybe four or five extra people. And Lydia is just, just on fire for the Lord. Well, the apostle Paul and Timothy and, and Silas, they would go back and forth to the river and back and forth to places worshiping and, and, and praying and back and forth witnessing out of Lydia's house. And there was a lady in the area. You can read this in Acts 16. This lady in the area, she was a fortune teller. She was possessed by a demon spirit, a spirit of divination. 
And that unclean spirit in her life could, could tell people's fortune. Now, she actually was a slave. She was owned by some men and she worked for them. She made them a living by telling people's fortune. Well, she was bothering the apostle Paul. Every time he'd walk out, she'd say, there's the man of God that's come to show us the way of the Lord. I mean, there's the guy that we should be listening to. There's the guy that knows God. There's the man of God. There's the man of God. Well, one day he was walking uh, from Lydia's house, uh, going on his rounds to witness, no doubt, and share the gospel. And she said, look, there goes the man of God. There's those men that have come to show us the way. And it just went off in Paul, that unclean spirit. She was right, but it just came out of the wrong place. And so Paul turned around and said, come out of her you demon spirit boom that devil left her and he took all of his ability to tell fortunes with him she was left with nothing to say to anybody well her owners her masters got angry they got so angry that, that Paul had cost them their living that they went and laid hands on Paul and Silas. Evidently, Timothy was a little bit young and they left him alone. So they took Paul and Silas and they drugged them into the city, in, in the, into Philippi, into the downtown area. And there they called out the city council. And there they laid charges against him that these men are doing things that they're not supposed to do in our city. And they're costing us money and, and then on and on and on and on. And so the city council members ordered and people took rods and they beat Paul and Silas. I mean, they didn't question them. They didn't give them a chance to answer anything. They just beat them and beat them and beat them. And then whenever they were beaten down, they drug Paul and Silas to the jail and told the jailer, you put them in the bottom of the jail. And down into the dungeon they went and they were put in stocks. Their feet were put in stocks wooden stocks or chains, but they were fastened hard in the darkness. There was no electricity then, okay? This was dark dungeon. All the other prisoners, the Bible says, were listening. They were wondering, what are these men who supposedly have come to tell us about Messiah? What are these men going to do now? Well, long about the midnight hour, the Bible says, Instead of complaining, instead of fussing, instead of just laying there licking your wounds, oh, they were hurt, they were bruised, they were beaten, they were probably bleeding and, you know, it was difficult and they were alone and it was dark and nobody liked them and everybody hated them and they were in a foreign country and everything else under the sun. But they began, the Bible says, in the midnight hour to lift up the voice of prayer and praise. And as they began to sing praises unto God, the Bible says all the prisoners were listening. There came an earthquake. You can read about it. It's right there in that word, man. I mean, I mean this is coming straight out of the Bible. <laughs> People say, what are you going to preach on today? Well, something in the Bible. The earthquake came and it shook so violently and no doubt angels on assignment were, were running here and to and fro and, and loosening the chains. The Bible says the prison doors were open and the chains fell off and every prisoner was set free. The jailer, 
came and he saw the prison doors open and he saw the chains on the floor and, and the jailer knew that Roman law required for him to pay the debt of any prisoner that escaped from him, from him during his uh, time of watching them. And so he imagined himself, he was going to be tortured, cruelly tortured. He was going to die a cruel death and not wanting to face that. The, 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 the jailer took out his sword and was ready to kill himself and Paul cried out of the dark. He was in a dark dungeon and Paul cried out and said, do yourself no harm. We are all here. Have you ever wondered why they were all there? Why didn't they take off running? Because those prisoners, no doubt, were getting born again. They had just seen their first miracle. My goodness, these men prayed and sang one prayer, one song, shakes the earth and opens the prison doors and my chains fall off and I'm free. Who wants to run away from that? Paul said, we are all here, all present and accounted for. The jailer came to Paul no doubt feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in the middle of that miracle moment. And, and the jailer said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> and Paul said, believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And not only will you be saved, but your whole household will be saved. And that jailer believed. And there he was born again. And then he took Paul and Silas and took them home with him. He trusted them and he washed their wounds, the Bible says. And it ended up that everyone in his house was born again. Woo, what a story. Man, okay. I just can't leave out all those little details. All right, next morning, the city council finds out that Paul is a Roman citizen. Now, it's against Roman law to beat a Roman citizen in public, and it's against the law to do anything to them without a trial. So the city council, they were afraid. Oh, no, we're going to be put in jail now because we have done treated a Roman citizen the way a Roman citizen should not be treated. This was big in that day. So the city council came and said, hey, hey, Paul, uh, come on out here. Hey, we're sorry. We're, we're, we're sorry. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to let you go. Uh, could you leave the city, please, quickly, and don't tell anybody about this. This is... Uh, Acts 16, the, the Ron Hammond's edition, okay? <laughs> Please leave. Paul and Silas, instead of leaving, they went back to Lydia's house. No doubt freshened up and, you know, said their goodbyes. And then they left. Paul, Silas, and Timothy on their way for another adventure. Wow, how neat. How neat is that? Fast forward. From A.D. 51, fast forward 10 years to A.D. 61. A lot can happen in 10 years. In A.D. 61, the Apostle Paul finds himself in prison in Rome. He's had a, a lot of miles on him in that 10 years. He's witnessed all over the known world. He's been in a shipwreck. He, he spent a night and a day in the deep. He's been hungry. He's been beaten. That wasn't the first or the last time Paul was beaten. 
He's been in jail. He's been run out of cities. But oh, he sowed so many seeds of the gospel. In prison, in Rome, under Nero, the worst man that ever lived, while Nero is killing his wife and killed his mother and married another woman and got her pregnant and then kicked her in the stomach while she was pregnant until she lost that child and, and then found a man that looked like her and castrated him and married the man. And then I mean, go on and on and on with what Nero was doing while Paul was in prison. Yet Paul never talks about it. He never talks about how bad this is and how bad that is. He said, I have determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Because you see, bad people come and go. But the word of God lasts forever. Amen. AD 61, Paul decides. You see, he's been hearing good things about this church in Philippi. Because during that 10 years, the seeds that Paul had sown in Philippi, they have grown. Oh my goodness. The church is now a regional church. It's a, it's a missions church. It's reaching out because no doubt all the trade that came through there, it being close to that port city uh, in, in, in Macedonia, no doubt they were getting people born again from all over the place. And, 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 and now, now the church is structured and they have a place and they have deacons and they have bishops and, and they've ordained leadership and, and they're doing great and doing well. And the apostle Paul is wanting to write them a letter to tell them about himself and what he's been going through and how they should look at the things going on in his life. He wants to encourage them. So he sits down in prison and writes the book of Philippians as a letter to those people that he'd invested in 10 years ago. He says to them, listen, don't be ashamed of me because I'm in prison. Well, first of all, the people in Philippi, he knew, they would not be ashamed of him because he was in prison because most of them probably met him in prison. Most of them probably met him in that jail. You know, I mean, the letter that he's writing, the church, reckon who was in the church? The jailer? Yeah, probably. His whole family? Yeah, probably. 10 years? Yeah, those little kids got saved in that house that night you know, are 10 years older now. And, and, and Lydia and, and you know, uh, um, maybe some of the city council men who had him beaten. You know, maybe some of those same prisoners that were in the jail that got born again had served their time and gotten out. Maybe some of them were even deacons or elders. There's not one hint that any one of them would have resisted a letter from this man who was in prison because they understood the price he had paid to bring them the gospel and the price he had paid to carry the gospel on from them for that next decade. They valued the man who shared with them the word of God. 10 years will come and go by so quickly. What can you imagine will happen over the next decade in your life from the seeds that you have sown, from the work that you have done, from the ministry that we as a church have, have invested in, what do you imagine will take place? How will it grow? Paul saw after 10 years what he had prayed for. He saw the fruit of his labor. He saw the seeds that he had sown as a result of his witness. Not only the church in Philippi, but churches all over that region had sprang up. In fact, by the year 300 A.D., 
the whole Roman Empire had fallen prey to Christianity. Like Paul and Lydia, those early believers in Philippi, just like them, you too will begin to write the next 10 years of your life by the decisions you make today. While Paul was in prison in Rome, he wrote this letter. Have you found Philippians, the first chapter yet? He wrote it to encourage the believers in Philippi. But it encourages me today. And I hope it will encourage you. There are some things that I have drawn from this. And I just want to share quickly with you three things that, that I want you to know. Like Paul wanted others to know what he felt and what he believed. I want you to un understand I too am encouraged. The first thing I want you to know is I am confident that God will continue his work in your lives until he completes it on that final day. I am confident that the seeds that I sow in your life today, God's going to watch over them for the next 10 years. I am confident that the word that I share with you today, the word that I share with those of you that are watching today, all of that word is like a seed. And I'm confident that God has begun a good work in you today and he will continue and complete that work in your life. Philippians 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. You see how the church had grown? All the saints and the bishops and the deacons. Paul, that, that went on because of the seed he sowed. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident Paul was confident of this very thing that he God who has begun a good work in you he will complete that work until the day of Jesus Christ let me encourage you you too should be confident that God will continue to work in your family, in your friends, among your co-workers, that God will continue. He will watch over the seeds that you sow. He will watch over the kind words that you plant in people's lives. He will watch over the things that you invest in others. He will watch over them and he will continue to work in them. Even though you may just share and leave that seed, you may just give and make that investment, God will watch over. Be confident that God will watch over his word to perform even among your enemies to bring them to salvation. I encourage you this morning, never lose hope. Never lose hope. The seeds you have sown, God will watch over. Number two, I am committed to seeing every trial I face as an opportunity to witness for Christ. You know, we cannot determine what we go through, but we can decide how we're going to go through it. And we should be determined, I am determined, I am committed that I'm going to look at every problem, every situation, every circumstance that I face, every trial as an opportunity to witness for Christ, to let my light shine like Paul and Silas did in their jail moment as they continue to do in every situation to let their light shine. No doubt some of the greatest church members came from that Philippian jail. Because Paul saw it as an opportunity 
to witness, to worship. He saw it as an opportunity to pray and call upon the Lord. Philippians 1 verse 12, Paul says, But I want you to know, brothers, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard. What's he saying? He said, I'm in prison. But it's given me an opportunity to worship. It's given me an opportunity to, 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 to pray. It's given me an opportunity to let my light shine. It's given me an opportunity to witness. And in this particular situation I'm in, it is worked out that the gospel is being spread into lives that I never could have reached before. The whole palace guard gets to hear me preach and teach constantly. Wow. Amazing. And to all the rest, it's become evident to them that my chains have a purpose in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, this was a day when Christians had been incarcerated and were being persecuted. There were a lot of other Christians there in prison with Rome, in, in Rome at that time. And Paul's boldness was encouraging them to be bold because they certainly, if they were being persecuted for being Christians, who would want to speak up more? And then all of a sudden Paul comes to town and he gets into the jail cell. He gets into prison with them and he begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing bad is happening to him, I think I may as well go ahead and start sharing Jesus too. And that's what they did. Having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Oh, let me tell you, you should also be committed to seeing every situation, every problem as another opportunity to please God and to be a good witness for Christ. Never lose heart. A diamond is nothing but an old piece of coal that made good under pressure. You can do it. You can do it. Number three, and I close with this. I am convinced that nothing shall ever separate me from my salvation. Philippians 1 verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let me tell you, saints, we have nothing bad to look forward to. We have every opportunity, and we should be fully committed and convinced that God is able to keep that which we have committed unto him against that day. A decade will come and go. It will go by so quickly. Do you remember 2008? Where you were, what you were doing? Well, let me tell you, life has changed in the last decade. It has changed. It's changed for you. But I'm going to stand here, Lord willing, in the year 2028. And I'm going to ask you, what did you do with your last decade? Today, sow a seed. Never lose hope. Keep sharing the light with people you meet and find. Never lose heart. God's going to watch over it. See every trouble, every trial 
every test as another opportunity to please God. It will work for you, not against you. And number three, I I leave you with a great desire for your next decade. And you will see it. Live for Christ. Life comes and goes so quickly. Live for Christ. You can make that decision today. You can decide right now that you're going to begin to write a new chapter in your life. Ten years is going to come and go anyway. You may as well have a harvest. Can you imagine planting a seed in a little lady named Lydia? Can you imagine those old guys in the jail and that jailer? That wasn't the best job. And look what it turned out to be. Wow. You can do the same thing. God will watch over it. Never lose hope. Never lose heart. Live for Christ.